You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey, thanks for being with me today for episode number 65 of Life Repurposed. This week, I want to tackle a topic of moving forward. I want to ask you a question. What renovating are we going to need to do in the coming months? What renovating are we going to need to do of our mindset, of our actions, of our speech? It's the night before the election, and I'm recording this because I don't want my words tainted by any results. So I'm not waiting until tomorrow. Well, we don't even know when the election will be determined, but... Stay with me, this is not about politics or the election. I'm just recording it beforehand because I want to make sure that my attitude is not based on trying to speak at somebody else, but really talking about myself too in this process. So what I want to talk about is the way we repurpose and renovate after things get ugly. How do we move forward from something that has a lot of tension involved? No matter how we look at it, this year has been one of struggle, challenges, situations that make us question humanity, circumstances that break down and look a mess. And the reason this is on my mind today is that I don't think tomorrow is going to be our most beautiful day as Americans. I think there's going to be some tension throughout the day. And then in the coming days after that is when we have to think about what are we going to do with all of this? So when Thursday comes and this episode airs, I would like to be prepared with a plan to move forward. I don't know if the person I voted for will win the election. I voted early, so uh, I'm not voting in person tomorrow. But I just want to be prepared because I don't know if the people I know will be happy about the candidate that wins or if they'll be upset about it. Will family holidays be tainted yet by conversations laced with venom and harsh words or will it be over? I don't know. Or will our conversations be sweetened by kindness and love and filled with patience and abundant with grace? I don't know. I don't know what it'll be like. So because I don't know the outcome of the election, I can't slant this episode in any way to sound as if I'm talking at you. I'm doing this to remind myself, too, of what it means to live out Colossians 4, 6. I want to read that for you from the New Living Translation of the Bible. It says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Some days in the last few months and weeks here, I have felt like I wanted to just melt into a puddle of tears because my heart has been broken just observing and trying to Think about like, what would it be like to be on the outside? And what I mean by being on the outside is, what if I wasn't somebody who attended church regularly? What if I didn't believe in Jesus? What would it be like to stand outside of the circle of Christian people and observe behavior and attitudes and actions? What would it be like? And sometimes it breaks my heart when I think about that because it doesn't look pretty. And I can't imagine what it would be like for somebody who's just kind of teetering in their faith, who feels like it's shaken up and they don't know where they're going to land. What would it feel like to observe people who carry the name of Christian who don't speak like Christ would? If there are doubts about God's love and his grace, then the behavior of his kids isn't going to help 
to ease those doubts, if I look at what's going on around me, saying ugly things or spewing hate in the name of Jesus is like dressing up in a stage costume and pretending to love Jesus. That's why he called some of the religious people hypocrites, play actors. Merriam-Webster says the word hypocrite ultimately came into English from the Greek word Hippocrates, which means an actor or a stage player. And so sometimes we act like stage players, like we claim to be Christians, but then however we dress it up doesn't look like that. And so I'm asking myself a lot of questions now, like, am I acting like a Christian right now? Am I prepared to act like one in the coming weeks after this election is over and people's broken hearts are all around me just because of what they've gone through and the things that have been said to them? I would know about what a hypocrite is because I've been one. So I'm saying this from a perspective of a daily battle of making sure that I am not wearing a costume and that I'm really genuine. And there are days where I know there's ugly stuff in there and I'm not having the attitude and the even the mindset that I know I should. It's just this constant renewal process of saying, you know, God, I want you to help me have a better heart, a better attitude, more love, that kind of thing. And peeling off the costume, if you've been a hypocrite, is painful. Looking in the mirror without it can be nauseating because we take away the layers and we suddenly see ourselves for who we are. And when we realize that what we are is not beautiful, I'm not talking about physical beauty. I'm talking about the condition of our heart and the whole um, mindset and all of that that goes with it. It can be nauseating when we realize that other people probably could see right through that. And we just didn't realize that we were wearing a costume and then we can't go back and change. We can't really undo. I mean, there's there's things we can do to make some restitution, but it just can't all be fixed. So all we can do is move forward. So let's talk about how we repurpose and move forward. I just mentioned to you that passage from Colossians 4. And if you aren't a Bible reader, because someone in a Christian costume, air quotes there, maybe hurt you, I want you to stay with me here because I'm not about preaching sermons. I'm I'm a speaker, so there are times I stand on a stage and speak to a group of people, and actually it is like a sermon, but that isn't what this podcast is. This is exploring thoughts and attitudes and just taking different paths and, and looking to see, like, where is truth? What do we think was truth and we realize it wasn't? So it's just asking a lot of questions And so what I'm going to do is give several principles here that came right from the Bible that can help us move forward when we're in a situation like I think we're facing this week. But I don't want that to have a preachy tone at all. I really want it to be about exploring the idea that the Bible has truth and we can apply it to daily living. And it wasn't just something that was written so, so long ago that it has no application to life, it's something that actually can be a manual for for living right now. So let's look at a couple of principles from Colossians 4 that I think can really help us in, in moving forward here. The first one is devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. That comes right out of that passage. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Why is this important? Well, the outcome of an election or of any other thing that we go through 
doesn't take away our ability to be grateful. We might think it does, but it's our choice to be grateful. So the the process that we have gone through that has caused strife, it's caused angst within us, it doesn't need to remove our gratitude. And so this talks about being alert and we need to be alert to the needs of the people around us or we could get drawn into something that's really far from truth. And it's not just being alert to like danger, it's really being alert to our own thoughts and our own attitudes. An alert mind means stopping to think for ourselves too and not just thinking because somebody has fed us something and that's just what we think we're supposed to think. It means sometimes going against the popular thread of thought around us. That can be a really lonely place. But the only way we can move forward is to learn how to be alert enough to think for ourselves. And so what I've done over the years is really question, you know, like if I hear something, if you share a news story with me, I'm going to go dig up four other news sources to see from a balanced perspective if that's what's really out there. I'm going to take medical facts and look them up. I'm going to look up stories to see if they fact check, all of that kind of stuff. But I'm also going to question some of the things I was always taught growing up in the church. You know, asking myself, is this just a rule or did this come from the Bible? Is this a tradition or was this in the Bible? So it's just stopping to think for ourselves, even if it goes against the popular thinking around us. It also means learning to listen more. So I've changed my point of view on a lot of big issues over the years because I listened and learned more. So devote yourselves to prayer. That means having a conversation with God and asking him for wisdom and then having an alert mind and a thankful heart. The second thing that I think can help us move forward is also right from that verse. It is live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let's talk about what it means to not be a believer. It's simply the way to describe people who don't believe in Jesus. I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. Some of my friends are not. But this is not a derogatory term. It's just a way of saying, I believe this person does not. So we can live respectfully together. We don't have to have fights and arguments. It is something that sometimes somebody who is not a believer will eventually put some pieces together and think through some things and become one. That happens all the time. So we're all in various stages of a process. And some people have dramatic stories of going from not believing in Jesus to believing him. Some are like me, having grown up in the church, but there still was a moment where I had to say, I believe for myself. It wasn't what my parents taught me. It wasn't the tradition I grew up in. So when this says live wisely among those who are not believers, it means that we are going to be surrounded by people who believe and people who don't believe, and we can live respectfully together. There was a time when I thought living wisely meant I had to shower someone who doesn't believe in Jesus with my pompous wisdom. So it meant making the most of every opportunity to preach and cram some truth down their throat. And I I want to be really clear that I see it differently now. Living wisely, as this verse talks about, can mean conducting myself in a way that doesn't ruin Jesus's reputation and make his followers look like a bunch of jerks. So living wisely is not living in caution, like thinking someone's going to corrupt me. 
as much as it is, am I being careful in how I conduct myself? Am I looking like Jesus? Of course, there's always caution. I'm not going to say we don't live cautiously, but I think living wisely has a lot more to do with um, just self-examination and asking myself, do I look like Jesus? Making the most of opportunity to me means often keeping my mouth shut and keeping my heart open so I can hear what the needs of others are and truly understand what they're wrestling with. Arguing is not a good use of time. Gloating is an opportunity wasted. So you get the idea that when we live wisely among people who are not believers and we make the most of every opportunity, it really is about looking for ways that we can have a positive influence and show people what it means to be a follower of Jesus and not just somebody who's dressed up in that costume that I was talking about. The third and final one that I want to talk about is the also from Colossians 4, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Gracious and attractive. Do you know some people who are just easy to be around? Like they're gracious and attractive and it has nothing to do with their physical appearance. There's a comfort that you have in their presence because you know they love you unconditionally. I'll admit that when I get impatient, I'm not gracious. Sometimes I fire off email replies that are dismissive and short with people. And it isn't that I'm just, it isn't that I'm an angry person. It's just that when I get frustrated, I'm like, I have no time for patience. And I know that's not a good thing because that's when feelings get hurt and the wrong things get said. So I have to practice. Practice how to participate in conversations that do no good. Practice how to respond in a, in a way that does good. Having the right response for everyone could include some of these things. So I'll just give you a little list here of some examples. It might be nothing at all. It might be a smile. It might be no words. So our conversation doesn't always have to have a wordy response back. Sometimes keeping my mouth shut is the best thing I can do. A word of encouragement is a possible response. A peace offering, a sincere apology, offering forgiveness for somebody who has apologized. Sometimes it's an invitation like, tell me more. It could also mean standing up for someone else. And of course, there's a boundary there. We have to be really careful that our standing up for someone else doesn't go into one of those areas where we have you know, an angry meltdown or something like that. But there are times when, when a, an appropriate response is speaking up for somebody else too. Oftentimes, it's praying for God's wisdom before anything comes out of our mouth and just saying, Lord, give me the right response. Should I stand up for this person? Should I apologize? Should I just listen? Should I smile? You know, what do I need to say? So it's asking for that wisdom. If we commit to move forward out of an ugly mess of anger and quarreling, I know that we can expect some additional conflict because sometimes choosing to do the right thing is not popular. And so when it's not popular, it creates more conflict. Based on our past history, some people might not trust us. If my response has always been one of a hypocrite and I'm suddenly changed because I know God has done some big work inside of me, I can't expect that every person I've hurt is going to trust me right away if I've acted like a hypocrite before. It's going to take some self-reflection and some awareness to even begin that process of changing. 
And so that's where I'm walking alongside of you and saying, I've gone through this process and it's a continual thing. I'm always going through it and working on reflecting and asking questions and really seeking what's going on inside of me. So as we close this section, here are some thoughts that we can ask ourselves and you can use these as some self-reflective questions. And then after this, I'm going to leave you with a resource today. So questions we can ask. Is there anything in what I have recently said that I'd be embarrassed to say in front of Jesus? I know from Sunday school when I was a little girl that he's with me all the time, but I sure forget that he's with me and I say things that I know I'd be embarrassed to say directly in front of him and yet he hears all of it. We can ask, is there any bitterness in my heart? Bitterness is something that makes me hold on to a grudge or think the worst of somebody and not think the best of them. Another question, have I sought God to see what he thinks of the condition of my thoughts? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to renovate my attitude? Have I released blaming others for my problems? How did Jesus treat his enemies and have I done the same? That's just the beginning of some thoughts that we can have that help us to truly look. And another thing is sometimes helpful is thinking if somebody else were to describe my behavior, would they describe it in the same way that I describe it? Oftentimes we're blind to our own downfalls and it's easy for us to spot that in other people. And um, it's kind of like this story in the Bible where David had done a big sin. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but um, his friend, the prophet Nathan, came to him and he gave him this whole scenario. He stated like this story about somebody else, except it was really about David. David just didn't know it. And at the end of that story, Nathan said, you are that man. Oftentimes, if somebody were to write our own story out and we read it, we would be outraged by the behavior. What would it be like if God then turned around and said, you are that woman, you are that man? That's the kind of question that we can ask ourselves. If I saw this story somewhere else, would I be as accepting of my own attitudes and actions as I am when I'm blind to my own downfalls? Okay, let's go to a resource as we wrap up. For a resource this week, I want to feature a little devotional book by Sky Jatani that I had just started reading. It's called What If Jesus Was Serious? You'll find a link in the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 65. I'll have a link right to the book there for you. This book is based on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which comes out of the book of Matthew in the Bible. And it's where Jesus gave some principles for living. And in the book, Sky Jutani takes those and asks the question, what if Jesus really meant what he said? What if this wasn't just suggestions for living, but what if this was really how he wants us to live? The thing that makes this book really fun is that Sky does these daily devotionals that are, it's called With God Daily, I think is what it's called. And he does these little doodles. And so he's got little sketches that go along with, each devotional in the book. And so it just makes it kind of fun and interesting. It's a colorful book. And so it's not like your typical devotional book. This is from the publisher and the description of the book. Daily devotions for people who hate daily devotions. Let's face it, a lot of Christian resources can feel cheesy, out of touch, and a little boring. 
But when Sky Jatani started doodling and writing up some of his thoughts about God, his Twitter and email list blew up. What if Jesus was serious is a compilation of all new reflections and hand-drawn doodles from Sky. He takes a look at some of Jesus' most demanding teachings in the Sermon on the Mount and pushes us to ask whether we're really hearing what Christ is saying. If you've traditionally been dissatisfied with Christian devotional resources but love to learn about Jesus and think deeply, this book was written for you. So the book talks about loving our neighbors, promoting peace, meeting people's needs, and much more, all from the words of Jesus. So I encourage you to go to michellerayburn.com 65 and get the link to that book and pick that up so that you can use that in your own daily devotions. The nice thing about it is it's not a really heavy Bible study, but it really gets into truth, and I like that. So if you're looking for a way of getting introduced to God's Word, maybe you're not regularly studying, starting with something like this where you're getting some meditation about words that Jesus said and learning how to apply it to everyday life is a really great start. So as I think about this week and the coming months and the coming weeks, let's make a commitment together that we are going to move forward and that we're going to do it in a way that we can rebuild people, that we can encourage and lift them up, and that ultimately we can live like Jesus lived so that we bring honor to him instead of, like I said, having people see that his people are a bunch of jerks. We don't want that. So let's make a commitment together that we're going to live out love and that we are going to show kindness to people. And it's going to take a lot of work. I know I'm going to work on it too. As we work on it together, let's come back in a week for another episode. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.